Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 143. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation Day. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on day two of their three-day mandatory minicamp. Uh, it's basically the same practice flow for the team as it was during the voluntary uh, OTAs, but we're getting more content. We're hearing from more coaches, more players. So it is a fairly busy time of year until that lull that will begin basically starting Friday until the start of training camp and players report on July 26th. Yeah, this is a uh, fun week, fun three days here because, you know, primarily you get to hear from people, you know, coaches in particular, position coaches, you know, guys that you don't hear from a lot really throughout the season overall, the guys like the Grady Browns and the Denzel Martins and, and, and really Danny Smith, cause you don't really get to hear from him too often uh, as well. So it is fun to, and I think uh, yesterday was the defensive coaches and Danny Smith. And I think today we'll have the string of offensive coaches uh, run through the gauntlet, if you will. So, you know, once again, it's just that, you know, you get caught up. You've already heard from the rookies quite a bit uh, so far this all season you've obviously heard from 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 several of the veterans it's just it gives you you know some more things to talk about and some interesting perspective when you hear from like the position coaches at all so this is a fun three days here and i look forward to what uh what wednesday brings us on the offensive side of football yeah should keep us very busy dave i do want to start off though on a somber note here and then we'll transition into the week that's been uh, the pittsburgh steelers some very sad news coming across on monday evening that the uh, pittsburgh sports media icon and legend stan saverin passing away at the age of 76 years old after a battle with cancer uh dave i know you and i and really the whole you know pittsburgh sports community huge fans of, of stan great respect for him uh, always appreciated him lending an arm to us and and having uh, me jump on some radio hits and and same with Josh Carney but but it's not about us it's about you know the, the man and and the career that he had and the way that he did his job and you know a guy that I looked up to watched as a kid on sports beat I mean it's just uh just a tough day for I think the Pittsburgh sports world yeah I think you can tell by the out pouring of tweets and and stories and 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 videos these last couple of days uh what exactly uh he meant uh to the sports world uh uh in 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 pittsburgh and look i i didn't grow up uh you know uh up there and all like that uh but obviously you know when i started you know, the site and, and, and the age of the internet, you can start listening to radio, uh, and, and, and reading stuff online and all like that. I quickly, uh, came to the understanding of, of, of who Stan Sabrin was, uh, uh, at the time and his prominence. And, uh, but, you know, guys like you and guys like Josh, you, you grew up, uh, with that, you know, uh, I mean, he had the longest running, what 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 was the uh, the time frame for 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 the uh, one show that he had? It was one of the longest running uh, sports beat. Yeah, like yeah. eighteen years. He was part of it. 
Right. And, you know, beyond that, I, I think the thing that sticks out mostly to me in, in uh, and obviously I didn't know Stan, uh, but uh uh, how he treated other people in the media and not only, you know, uh, the media, but, you know, bloggers and all, because I mean, let, let's, let's face it. We, we are, have mostly been considered the, the scum side of things, but, uh, Stan for a long time, I mean, a, a very long time has always been good about, you know, uh, having anybody and everybody with, with an opinion on his show and, you were on there quite a bit. I know mm-hmm. Josh was, and I know like after games, when, when Stan, I think Stan got a kick out of like your stats of the weird and, <laughs> and, 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 and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he was always good about, you know, shouting out some of our content along the way as well too. So, but I think just the overall take and, and you can get this just by being on social media alone, uh, just the outpouring of support and the respect that, uh, uh, that he had garnered throughout his career is, is, is very, very evident and, uh, very, very sad. And, you know, thinking a lot about uh, his family and, and, and loved ones and friends at this time. Well said, Dave. It's certainly a, a sad day. And again, just the way that he brought a sense of calm, level-headedness in an era, in a world of hot takes and screaming and, and super strong opinions. He was a guy that was willing and able and curious enough to look at all those perspectives and critique and criticize, certainly when it was warranted, but not somebody that just spouted off. And I mean, he was so involved with with all major Pittsburgh sports, but with the Steelers, whether he was doing stuff with Steelers.com and you know, part of the Hall of Honor committee and Art Rooney had told the story on SNR yesterday that even just a week ago when, you know, Stan was obviously in pretty poor health, still submitted his candidates for the Hall of Honor for 2023. So a guy that just loves sports, worked hard, professional and someone who will absolutely be missed. Yeah, look, and there's something to be said too. you know, passionate about what he did and, and that allowed him to do what he did for as long as he did because he was so passionate about it. And so there's, there's, there's so, you know, a good life lesson to take away from, uh, from Stan Savern's life and career, uh, if you will. I mean, if you, if you love something and you're passionate about it, uh, do it and the rest will follow. And I, 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 I think that's a, a, a big takeaway about his life. Yeah, it's one heck of a legacy. So as tough as it is for, for us to, to try to segue into things that seem a lot less important, like the Pittsburgh Steelers mini camp and some of the trials we'll talk about here in a second, we will do that today. Uh, but honor Stan Savin and uh, Savin and, and remember his life and his legacy. So, Dave, let's, uh, lo- let's get... lo- love the show, Stan. Mm-hmm. Love the show, Stan. Indeed. All right, Dave, let's get into some Steelers talk here. Again, they're on day two of their three-day mandatory mini camp, and while their 90-man roster is full, there's a couple of tryout guys there. This team continues to explore some veteran inside linebackers. You have to think somebody's going to get signed here sooner than later. Two guys uh, trying out this week in Pittsburgh. They are Jermaine Carter Jr. and Nick Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski, local kid, went to West Virginia, fourth-round pick of the Bears several years back. Carter uh, played with the Panthers and was in Cleveland for a stint last season. So I, we've talked about the depth there at inside linebacker not being the strongest or lost and kind of had some cold water on Mark Robinson's 2023 prospects. And so it's not a big shock to see this team look for some established veteran off ball linebackers to, to 
probably be depth for this team. Do you think this is uh, going to happen within the next couple of days, or do you think because they brought in a couple of long snappers to look at, but they 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 haven't signed any of those yet, or is this something to make sure you have the roll decks updated pretty well with with some potential options uh, if you get into camp and and your lines get short? It's a good question. My sense is they're going to sign one of these two guys. I mean, they brought in Quan Alexander last month. Obviously, he didn't sign. Just given all the energy they put into the position and understand understanding the depth there is not the strongest then i think one of those two guys signs a contract by friday all right uh, we'll definitely be paying attention to it yeah and then yeah kwiatowski and carter kwiatowski's played more he's been more productive overall they had interest in carter coming out of the draft he was brought in for a pre-draft visits so one of those guys you circle back to i'm not sure if kwiatowski was or not he would have been a local prospect because he's you know from from the pittsburgh area uh, i don't know if he had come in or not but uh two guys the pittsburgh's kept tabs on yeah uh and we have talked quite a bit about you know this team potentially adding another inside linebacker here at some point so uh not not two guys that i woke up yesterday morning expecting to hear news about but you know there you go and speaking of the position, as we kind of get into what players and coaches had to say on Tuesday, Terrell Austin, uh, one of the first people that we heard from, and uh, a, a comment he made about Mark Robinson that kind of surprised me. Uh, he he talked up Robinson's progression, and now he's gotten better, more comfortable, uh, more confident, better communicator, improving on some of the things he struggled as a rookie, but essentially said this guy's not going to be ready to compete to start until next season, which presumably means 2024. And I thought it was kind of an odd comment to to say that about Robinson, who has seemingly impressed and progressed and should at least be able to battle for a spot, battle for an opportunity. I don't want to close those doors, even if he doesn't ultimately start 2023. So what do you make of Austin's commentary on Mark Robinson? Uh, that uh, they still think he needs uh, quite a bit of a d- development here overall, to be quite honest with you. You know, that uh, you've got a guy that was a college, uh, 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 you know, started off on the on on the offensive, you know, start off and and on the offensive side of football, uh, moved to linebacker, uh, did enough things that got him some attention there uh, enough to figure that uh, he would he would be worth working with. Uh, He got very limited playing time during his rookie season and they're they're they still like to probably see him progress in several areas. And I mean, it, 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 it sounds pretty definitive, you know, uh, in, in, in the context of things that they, they don't expect him to be ready to compete for a starting spot this year. And I understand, obviously he was a raw guy coming out and heck last year, you know, mid season when the team was struggling and the defense was having problems and the inside linebacker play, you know, wasn't great with miles, Jack, Devin Bush. I I was the one saying, I understand why Robinson's not dressing when fans wanted this guy to not only dress, but play and and essentially start. But I mean, in, in year two, after I think a solid rookie season, given expectations, given where he was at in his career, one year at linebacker in college, a former running back. I just don't want to close the door. I mean, I, I know there's things he's going to have to work on. I know they brought in a Landon Roberts and he's got a similar skill set to Robinson, but just let these guys compete. Now, m- maybe, and I'm kind of putting my tinfoil hat on that I'm, I'm borrowing from you, but maybe Terrell Austin's just trying to poke the bear a little bit and just kind of piss off Mark Robinson. He's had a good spring, maybe heard some good things about himself and just wants to 
you know, make sure he keeps a, a healthy chip on his shoulder. I don't know, but I just want these guys to compete and be able to to play. And Robinson's gotten first team reps right now with Cole Holcomb uh, not working in in full, coming off the foot the foot surgery. So I just don't like to close those doors here in June. How much of this might be related related to above the neck? I think it's a part of it for sure. I mean, just the nuances of the position in terms of communicating, in terms of coverage, in terms of just the, the, the minutia in the technique. And again, I understand this guy three years ago was a running back at, at, at the FCS level. So I'm not I'm not sitting there saying this guy has to start and play right now and he's still, you know, he's still got a ways to go. But he's clearly has the tools and the traits and the, the mentality, physicality that Pittsburgh likes. That alone may not cut it, but that's certainly a foundation to build off of. And again, I thought as a rookie last year in camp in preseason in his granted limited action at the end of last season, he held his own. I, I thought the moment was not too big for him. I've certainly seen rookies look a lot more lost than he was. And again, he's not played a t- had a lot of time at the position. So I just don't like here. And yeah, this guy's not going to be in the mix when, when he's very much in the mix and one injury happens, then, then he may, may be next man right. up. But of course this team is also exploring those veteran names we just mentioned and that may be because they just feel like Robinson is not quite there. Yeah. And once again, I I feel the takeaway here with, with all kind of the evidence out there right now with, with not only what was, was said you know, the context of the quote, and then with these other uh, veteran linebackers being brought in, you kind of wonder, you know, uh, how much, how much fire is related to the smoke. You know, yeah, I, I just would love to know what it is he needs to work on. As you said, it may be above the neck, but I, I'm willing to bet it's more of that. It's just the I think it's more the inexperience factor. I get that. But I mean, the only way to get more experience is to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, you got to play some young guys. You're going to do that this year. Austin, in the same breath, talked about with Joey Porter Jr. that, you know, you play him when he's ready, but you understand he's going to have to take some lumps and work through those lumps. Why can't the same be true for Mark Robinson? Any young guy in the history of football takes their lumps early on as they grow and learn and make a mistake. And Robinson, to me, is a guy that does not make the same, the, the, the same mistake twice. Well, more than anything, I mean, we still obviously expect him to to to, to make this roster. I think, and mm-hmm. you know, contribute on special teams. Uh, we'll 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 obviously have to do that. But uh, and look, we'll see how things progress. Look, uh, as I always like to say, these things have a have have a way of working themselves out, right? Because injuries sometimes happen, and 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 all like that. But I, uh, you definitely didn't wake up yesterday thinking that you're going to hear he's you know. He could potentially start next season uh, when it comes to a player like him when you're sitting here in the first day of a, uh, of a mandatory minicamp, right? Right. And maybe my blinders are on here. I think this guy's going to make plays in the summer. I think he's going to have a really strong training camp. I don't know how good or bad a Landon Roberts will be. I think he'll be fine. But I think Robinson's going to make noise and make those comments from Austin look a little more questionable when we, when we hit late August here. Well, that'd be a good problem to have. It would. All right. Uh, some other notable quotes from yesterday. Najee Harris had a pretty long discussion about uh, the state of the running back market and kind of reacting to Dalvin Cook being released and and the depressed running back market in general. Not a new conversation for us, but probably a bit newer for him as he starts to kind of begin thinking about my fifth year options coming up. Could I get an extension if I had a really good season? What is my outlook in Pittsburgh and what is my payday? at the position look like and basically just push back on the narrative of running backs have a short shelf life and that running backs shouldn't get paid. And basically he was really attacking you, Dave, I think about the fungible, uh, about the fungibility of the position. Look, I didn't create that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, narrative. Uh, 
Uh, I and and you know, a few days ago, he posted a tweet, you know, uh, or a, an Instagram post that kind of, you know, uh, ra- raised his eyebrows a little bit. And you know, I don't think he was blind blind to that before then. I think he's just you know, you see it all in one place like that, especially what has happened. You know, this offseason with guys like, you know, most recently Dalvin Cook. And then you see what's happening with Saquon Barkley uh, over there with the Giants right now on the tag and and all like that. But uh, and this isn't new, right? Right. <laughs> uh, the running back, uh, uh, the, the depressed running back market isn't new. Uh, I certainly understand it. Look, you can go all the way back, you know, to 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 Le'Veon Bell uh, when Le'Veon Bell was talking about how he wanted X amount of dollars. And, you know, I was pretty emphatic at the time that, you know, he he probably wasn't going to get that kind of money uh, from the Steelers. And more importantly, when it came to guaranteed money, you know, he, he damn sure probably wasn't going to get what 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 he thought uh, he should probably deserve. And we saw how that played out. He went up, you know, going uh, 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 being on that, on the tag the first year and then turn around and didn't play on the tag, uh, obviously in the second year. And then, you know, went off to the jets and signed what he signed for. There's always going to be one or two teams or more, you know, three or four teams willing to probably pay that kind of money, but how many backs are, are there going to be out there looking for that? you know, kind of money on it, uh, anyway. And, you know, do they, do they need to, uh, look, you're not going to, uh, I know he was asked about, do you guys need to form some sort of a union? And I know that was kind of, kind of a jokingly, you know, more of what do you, what does, Mm. what do, what do you running backs need to do? And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw out a joke here. Maybe they need to do what uh, the, the tight ends are doing, the tight end university or whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. they have. But even then, you know, that that's them getting together and working on on the craft and and, and, and all like that. Uh, this isn't going to go away. I, the, the root of the problems in the CBA. All right. Uh, if you want to get quite honest with it, because obviously the franchise tags or uh, amounts are tied uh, to different positions, you know, maybe maybe next time, you know, they need to all fight for uh, running backs and wide receivers and tight ends to all, you know, skill positions to be under one tag. In other words, don't don't differentiate it by by position groups, you know, uh, differentiate it by skill set you know, uh, offensive, you know, if you touch the football and you're not a quarterback, you're in this group, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, over here because, uh, you know, the, 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 the franchise tag obviously is, is done by position. Right. And, uh, until they get a better job of getting that differentiated or unless running backs all of a sudden jump and look, it's, it's a position that has wear and tear, uh, the, uh, associated with it. Right. A lot. I mean, more so, uh, uh, than, than in any other position, uh, you you're going to get hit <laughs> if you carry the football, uh, there. And because of that, because of age, because of injuries, uh, and because of the depressed market value, that makes that position more fungible, quite honestly. And what also makes it more fungible is the fact that when these starters do go down, when you have this fifth round guy or this undrafted guy get an opportunity and, you know, and it doesn't happen all the time, but they, they, they're able to function. The offense just doesn't fold up 
that also leads to the fungibility uh, of the position as well, too. I, I feel for him. And quite honestly, if I was a if I was a parent with a uh, kid, you know, I would say, do you really want to play running back? You know, <laughs> uh, because of all these reasons, you know, uh, it's it's not going to go away. And I don't think anytime soon there. And, you know, I, it's, it's just a good example of, 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 of a guy like Dalvin cook who, and, and Najee pointed out, this guy's had multiple thousand yard seasons still looks uh, like he's in his prime and able to contribute, but now he's out on the street looking for work uh, all, all of a sudden, and it's probably not going to get a contract, uh, uh, you know, that, that obviously w- would pay him in one season, what he was scheduled to make, you know, with the Vikings this past season, it's just the, you know, it's just the nature of the position overall. And, you know, I know people are starting to say, "Uh Oh, this is a warning sign. Uh, when it, when it comes to Najee, well, here's the thing you got potentially a couple of years to have to worry about that. Right. I mean, first and foremost, uh, this is a very important season for Najee Harris because if he doesn't have a, uh, an, uh, you know, uh, a good season here. The Steelers are going to think long and hard about maybe picking up his fifth year option. And that would get him upset if that doesn't happen. And then on the flip side, if they do pick up his fifth year option, are they going to sign him to a long-term lucrative deal at the top of the market uh, value uh, two years out, if you will, when they would have control uh, with an extra year on top of a fifth-year option, probably not. I mean, we saw McCaffrey. We we talked recently about McCaffrey getting that done, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Steelers' history, unless unless Omar Khan really flips the script here with with kind of tradition with what the Steelers do, even if Najee Harris gets the fifth-year option uh, picked up uh, after this season. Odds are good he's not going to get a new deal. I mean, it could happen, you know, and it could be, and it could be because of the position that he plays. You know, might as well lock him up now because you know the 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 meter's running on him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, kind of thing there. But but let's say he does not get a deal, but he does get the the, the fifth year option, and then he's got to he's got to prove it again in 2024 to warrant even having it having a franchise tag, tag uh given to him so then talks can then start about a long-term deal from there so it is it is a it is an important position i've never i've never not said that it's not an important position but i do believe that it, it is a fungible the most fungible position on an NF, nfl team and I think that's why you're seeing the depressed market value go along with it. And I just don't think it's going to change anytime soon. To the question of what can Harris or the running backs do to change this, the answer is basically nothing. The only thing I can think of, and it's not really anything any one person can actively do besides like a generational player showing up. Let's say, for example, that B. John Robinson is the next Adrian Peterson, and he just demands in three years or whatever it is, a monster type contract that may begin to shift the market upwards. Cause it's all about trends and where one guy gets paid and everyone's trying to top the next guy. And and that's how, you know, value is determined, how contracts are determined, everybody trying to one up the last guy. So 
it's just going to take some really like generational type guys. And even Derrick Henry got paid, but not, you know, crazy, crazy amount of money a couple of years ago. So yeah, I, there's really nothing you can do about it. I, I know that people want to compare this to Le'Veon Bell. I think it's a conversation way down the road because a Pittsburgh will have the fifth year option at their disposal. Didn't have that with Bell. who was a second round pick. So you have a couple of years before these things become real issues, even if Harris is a successful running back who wants to get paid. But, you know, it, it, it's a reality that I think Harris is probably thinking about a lot more right now, now that he's kind of out of the rookie stages of his career and kind of start thinking about his, you know, long term future as opposed to just trying to get through the first couple seasons of his NFL career. Well, he, here's the thing that that he did say that that you know I, I, I you know I'm totally on board of you know uh, especially when it comes to age because he, he talked a little bit about age there too and, and let's face it Najee came out a little bit older uh, uh, as, as it was uh, take take you those guys got to take care of their body. I mean, I obviously any, any player does, but those running backs really have to be uh, cognizant of, 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 of taking care of their bodies. And also I think it lends, I, I think the top of the market more lends itself to the more versatile uh, these guys can be uh, catching the football out of backfield. Uh, being able, and not only that, the, the the performance aspect of it, which doesn't play into Najee's favor, is the explosive play. I mean, you're more apt to 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 give more money or more guaranteed money to to a guy that can not only stay on the field, but a guy that can function almost as if he was a wide receiver, the way Le'Veon Bell uh, did, and be a guy that could that could that could deliver the explosive play, something that Le'Veon Bell wasn't necessarily good at. If, 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 if Le'Veon Bell had been, uh, well, here's the thing. It's, it's about the, about the, the organization you're in as well, too. Cause even if, if Le'Veon Bell had been in the same situation, uh, that he was at the time and been more of a, an explosive play producer, would that have impacted the Steelers wanting to give him more guaranteed money past the first year? Yeah, it's a fair point. I, I think probably Harris, not, right? Yeah, probably not. You're right about that. You know, but I just think that if you're the running backs that are going now, they're they're going to be outliers in this. There there always are, but uh, uh, to increase your the running backs more likely to hit top of the market moving forward are guys that stay healthy, uh, uh, can can produce in the passing game to the tune to 60 to 70 catches a year or more, uh, and deliver explosive plays. Sure, I get that for sure. I, I When I think Terrace's point, though, about the the age thing and it shouldn't be about age but how about but about how a guy takes care of his body i don't know if the nfl sees it in that view i think they really see the number and there is a lot of strong data that says as you get close to 30 and especially once you hit the big 3-0 you know running backs tend to fall off and i don't know if you know a guy that works out really hard is going to overcome all that data that's that creates that nervousness in, in terms of you know teams keeping running backs around and giving you know big money lengthy second contracts so I get Harris's point. I don't think it's really one that's going to move the needle in terms of how organizations function. So it's a tough spot. But again, and this is a little bit of chicken and egg because teams don't commit to one running back for 10 years like they used to. And there's turnover and injury. But, you know, 
of this era of running backs, how many of them are Hall of Famers? Really, really, really like almost nobody. Derrick Henry, right, right. maybe. We talked about that not too long we did, ago, yeah. right? And, and, I, and I say that to say is that unless you have those real high, high echelon guys that are, that are going to demand and command and compel teams to give them big money, which shifts the entire market upward, that position is going to be underpaid. Now, again, some of that's because running backs only last four years in one position. They start bouncing around place to place. They get hurt. It's hard to have a sustainable Hall of Fame career as you're kind of bouncing around when you're 27 years old. But I think that's kind of the issue this that position is battling because you're not getting those super high-end talents that command and make a team pay, you know, and, and reset the market that, again, will have a trickle-up effect for the entire position. You know, and Derrick Henry, what, what year is this for him? Let's see, he's been in three, six, seven. This is year eight for Derrick Henry, right? And mm-hmm. here's the thing about him. Would he would he be this far along? Because uh, he only had 110 attempts in in 2016, 176. He hit 300 attempts for the first time in his fourth NFL season. Mm. Right. Right. And then uh, only three times now in his career because he was injured in 2021. Right. Uh, only three times in his career has he busted the 300 number. And then what, what's that kind of that magic number that everybody points to? If you get X, was it like 350 touches or 375 touches in a season? Uh, that's when the eyebrows really start to get raised. And, and twice in his career now, Derrick Henry has had uh, over 375 touches. He had 397 in 2020. And then everybody, I, you know, I think, uh, especially in the fantasy football world, were like, oh, Lord, yeah, uh, be careful in 2021. And lo and behold, he, he missed games, right? And then mm-hmm. now in 2022, he had 382 uh, total touches. What's the look, you know, uh, I mean, he's been, I've said this about Derrick Henry so many times. I mean, for a guy with that kind of size to be able to run the way he runs, just, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. I mean, it's like a thoroughbred horse, you know, uh, the way he can run with the football and, and man, he has busted off some long runs for a guy, his size, but how much longer can he continue to do that? Uh, and especially when he's touching the football 300 times a season and that's, the, like you said, the the data on it's not going to go away. Will there be an, uh, a, a guy that come along, you know, that, that's just put together perfectly that, that can avoid all, you know, uh, get past that? Yeah, there, there's always going to be exceptions. Can Is Najee going to be that guy? I doubt it. I doubt it, too. And it is, it's not a shot at him. Look, mm-hmm. pe- people always get on me because of my views of, of the running back and saying, oh, I, you know, I don't know if I would have spent a first round draft pick on on, on, on Najee Harris because of the fungibility of the position. It wasn't a shot at Najee Harris, particularly. Uh, I mean, I think he's shown some good things with 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 yards after contact. And look, he's just a gr- he's funny. He's he's, he's a great teammate. Uh, he's everything that you would want. In, in, in a running back for your organization. Uh, but all that said, you know, it, it still doesn't take away from the fact that I think it's a fungible position. And I kind of question paying these guys, you know, top of the market value for whatever it is at a certain time for what they go for what they go through. It's, it's sad overall, but I mean, it's just a fact of the matter. You know, it's not me hating one player or, or anything like that. It's just, that the numbers say don't do it. 
And the last point I'll make is in terms of how running backs can get paid. If you get hurt, teams say, well, we can't pay you because you get hurt. If you stay healthy, teams say, well, you have too many carries. We can't pay you because you're going to fall off. Like it's a catch 22 with the running back is in, in this lose lose position. So sure. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it's a tough spot for, for that group. No doubt about it. Right. And if you back off, uh, back off of them and you have a committee, then they're like, well, how am I supposed to earn money? They, then, then they, then they get a little bit disgruntled knowing that, man, how can I ever earn any money if I'm having to, you know, uh, split, you know, touches with, with my backup here, who's an undrafted right. free agent. And exactly. that's not a shot at Jalen Warren. He absolutely did everything that you ask of him and more, you know, uh, but you, unfortunately in the NFL, you, you know, a lot of times you need uh, uh, your, your starter to be supplanted at the running back position. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of factors working against the running back position. Again, we've talked about that a ton. We talked about that with Le'Veon Bell. We'll talk about that with Harris as he goes throughout his career. But I think Harris is getting an understanding of what that position looks like this offseason. How big a problem do you think this might create past, let's assume he gets his fifth-year option uh, picked up next offseason? Even then, is he going? If you're Najee Harris and you're Najee Harris's agent, and you get the fifth year option, how 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 do you attack that from a negotiation standpoint, especially with a team like the Steelers, who don't, you know, for non quarterbacks, don't generally give out the extensions that early? Yeah, it's a fair question. I hadn't given it much thought. I'm just trying to get through this season and and get to the point where Harris is a slam dunk. Okay, the option will be picked up and maybe we can start discussing should there be extension talks. It probably won't be more of an issue until after 2024, where he's really in a contract year on that final year of, of that fifth year option of that rookie deal. That's probably where it would become a real sticking point, but we'll see. Okay. But, right. but once again, I, I feel for him. I know exactly where he's coming from. I'm not surprised now at this point that, you know, he he's he's having what is eye opening, you know, a, experience. But I don't I also don't think he was naive to it before, you know, Dalvin Cook got cut, you know. Mm-hmm. He probably hadn't thought about it as much, though, because he was just a rookie just trying to make plays and do what he could. It really, it, it, as you pointed out, the CBA screwed the position, not only for the, the franchise tag, but just the rookie contracts. And that's probably a good thing overall. But for the running backs, they get paid like crap on the rookie deals. And then as soon as the rookie deals are up, they're getting paid like crap again because no one wants to give them give them that second contract. So they really got 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 hosed on that CBA. Yeah, and and they'll continue to get hosed, you know, on it because once again the high earners are a small percentage, and the uh, you know undrafted free agents get to vote get get to vote too, right? And they uh they they just want to play and get paid, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh for it. So it it, it it you know until I I think the once again I think the perfect solution to this at some point maybe down the road is to have skill positions maybe lumped into because the higher the tag is obviously you know uh the more that comes into play and the more these guys Mm -hmm. can earn that do get tagged who are top of the heap all right dave we'll come off of that to talk about what else uh coaches and players had to say tuesday defense line coach uh, carl dunbar spoke about that group and you know hopefully a healthy 
Larry Ogunjobi, not, not only as he came off that foot surgery, but also was dinged up a lot throughout the season and you know, would barely practice during the week. Hopefully he can be healthy and, and that'll be better for Pittsburgh. And spoke about the Marvin Leal as well and just said he's an athlete. We like him playing inside, outside. So just more confirmation and that age old question of where in the world is the Marvin Leal. Sounds we don't like know. <laughs> we don't really know, but it sounds like they really are going to lean in on that versatility. Right. Uh, we haven't quite gotten the question answered the way we went into the offseason wondering yet uh, when it comes to him. That was one takeaway. I think the other thing that's been confirmed over this summer is that Larry Ogunjobi just wasn't uh, uh, you know, wasn't himself last season. You know, uh, you know he, he's talked about it now. Uh, the co- uh, uh, Dunbar talked about it now. Uh, about last season, you know, he talked about Larry talked about, you know, not being able to even run, uh, or, you know, and have himself in the condition. And then obviously, you know, kind of the, the, the nagging stuff that went along with him, uh, last season and, you know, Dunbar in so many words confirmed that, uh, my main takeaway. And I wrote about this yesterday myself was the fact that, uh, they, the, the seeming belief is now they have a, a healthy Larry Ogunjobi and that hopefully that healthy Larry Ogunjobi will play like the uh, 2021 Larry Ogunjobi or close to it. And if they can get that version of Larry Ogunjobi, look out. Uh, they need that, especially right now with 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 kind of the the the. Uh, transition if you will of of some younger players coming in right now so if they can keep Larry Ogunjobi on the field and healthy and producing like he did back in 2000 you know that was a career year for him right you know yeah seven uh, sacks uh and you know Dunbar did 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 make sure to say well yeah the sacks weren't there but he but you know he the, he missed four or five which was true uh there uh, you know, they just goes to show you that you can't boil it all down to what, you know, what, what the stat book says on the player. Uh, but there is, you know, there, there comes a time where you've got to finish these sacks instead of letting somebody else finish them. Yeah. The penetration's good. Uh, I, you know, I think overall it was an okay season, uh, from Larry Ogunjobi. I just don't think it was one that they thought maybe they would get out of him. And now let's fast forward to this season, because if they can get a guy that played, you know, similar to the way he played in 2021, it's, it's, it's going to be very, very beneficial for this defense. Health is the Steelers bet on Ogunjobi. They're, they're betting on him being and staying healthy. The question is how much of a gamble is that given that he's not been consistently healthy the last couple of seasons. It's a $12 million gamble for this year is what it is. Yeah. And, and, and I get why they resigned them for some continuity. It was good for him. Good for the team. If he is healthy, then he'll be effective an effective player. He flashed last year. And if he can flash last year, despite all the ailments he was going through, then, you know, if he can be healthy, he can be that consistent player. It's probably the injuries are probably a big reason why he was so inconsistent last year, just not having the practice time, not being fully healthy to probably move and function the way that he wanted to. But he is another year older, more more tread on that tires to kind of bounce off a running back conversation. Generally, when players get older, they don't get healthier. And so that that's the concern. I think you I think I think the the gamble here is that you can that you think that you can get two uh, above average seasons at these next, you know, 
get the next two out of Larry Ogunjobi. That that's what the bet is, you know. I think yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, it from where I sit right now, it is kind of hard to imagine Ogunjobi playing all three years of the deal, right? Yeah, or, if he or, does, or, we'll... or, or, or or if he does, then that means uh, the the first two have been, you know, right where you want him to be. Yeah, happily be wrong if he can play out the entirety of that contract. To Dunbar's point about the pressures, we have him down, Ogunjobi, for 19 pressures last year. That was a snap per pressure rate of 19.0. So that's a decent number overall. So I think there is some truth in what Dunbar says where the pressures were there, even if he only had one and a half sacks. But I think even just putting that aside, just the run defense was up and down, and just this entire game was, you know, really hot and cold and again injuries play a factor there needs to stay healthy that'll be the key for him and, and him being in year two and having a full off season where he didn't work he didn't get signed until june last year was limited early in training camp those don't, don't seem to be limitations or issues or obstacles this time around and those will all be good things for him i'll tell you what i am more bullish on the prospects of Larry Ogan Joby in 2023 right now today than i was the day that he that it was announced that he was, that he was signed to an extension. I, I get or, that. that, or, that or, or re-signed, I should say. What what is what has kind of changed your mind on that? Just just getting so much confirmation that he wasn't right last year. Okay. Which but, we we sort of knew, but you know, to the degrees that he wasn't right last year. Yeah, but can he stay healthy this year as he closes in on thirty? Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt now, you know, okay. uh, uh, with that. So once again, you know, I, 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 I am more bullish on him now in 2023 than I was the day that it was announced that they had re-signed him. All right. Fair enough. What else did Dunbar or any of the uh, other defensive positional coaches have to say, Dave? Uh, you know, he, you know uh, he wants to see he'll have a better uh, understanding of, of what Keanu Benton can be as a rookie. Once they get into training camp and put the pads on, you know, can he move, move guys out of the a gap, you know, uh, uh, that's the thing there. It sounds like they like all, all off season so far. It sounds like they like what they've seen out of Keanu Benton. It sounds like uh, he, he, he is to them as, you know, we advertised and others advertised on him. Now they want to see what he can do once he gets the pads on uh, and, and, you know, everything related to that. It doesn't sound like they're committed to him being week one guy right now. Uh, but within that, what are the, you know, they, you know, he did name some of the options there and it, it was more uh, cordial, I think with, within that. Uh, overall, I mean, yeah, uh, they, 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 they've got Armand Watts. Yeah. They got Montrevious Adams. Uh, who else is inside there? Fahoko, uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess now they want to see if, if Benton, uh, can at least get it. You know, we talked, uh, who was the one we talked about? Uh, if they're close, who do you go? The tackles, right. Uh, in, 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 in Broderick Jones and, Dan Moore Jr. If it's close, uh, tie you know, tie or close tie goes to the rookie. I think they mm-hmm. want to see if Benton can be tie or 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 close to you know whoever you know Fajoko or, or 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 whoever you know. Uh, obviously, you hope that a guy like Benton can easily be above a guy like Montrevious Adams. I would think. 
you know sure. uh the question is is what about the un the, the unknowns you know not so unknowns overall but uh, you know new guys to the organization of Fahoko and 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 Watts and it sounds like maybe Fahoko you know, have, is more in line with kind of what they might be looking for, especially maybe against a run and stuff like that. But obviously the hope is that Benton can show enough the rest of the summer that it, it, it it's either him winning going away or him being right there at the close where you say, just, just go ahead and put him in there and let him, you know, cause all, and I think there's something that we else we heard yesterday is, you know, rookies are going to make mistakes, right? You know, mm-hmm. and they're going to go through their growing pains. It's just how how quickly can 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 they learn from those and not make the same mistake twice? So, with with, with Benton in particular, uh, they're wanting to see if he can you know win the job outright or or get close enough to it to 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 to, to get the job. And speaking about uh, Benton, Dunbar seemed to to talk about the physicality being the number one thing he's going to watch. He says, "quote." I think he can be physical because you've seen that in college, but will it transfer into pro ball? And that's the thing we're waiting on. So when we get to training camp, that's the first thing I'll be looking for. And quote, do you think that was more of just a general comment? Just given the, the obvious fact they're in shells right now, they're not really, you know, like in, in a camp environment with the pads on, or do you think that was some sort of comment about, you know, maybe something that Benton had to work on coming out of Wisconsin? No, I, I, I view it as, you know, Dunbar saying, look, I've been a, around the block a time or two. I've seen guys flash, you know, during during uh, the offseason programs, but look a lot different uh, when they put the pads on. I think it's just a more of a uh, him saying, you know, let's not move too fast here. Let's, yeah. let's, let's get him to camp and see, you know, once we start putting the pads on and hitting. Sure. I'm with you overall. I do think Benton. I, I didn't a, take anything that he said as a, as, as a slight at, at, at okay. Benton, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I got you. And I, I didn't really think that was the, the thought, but it, I, that was something to note at least because if he's watching that, then we certainly should be watching that. I, I do think Benton is a little bit more the finesse type in college. And I want to see him be a little bit more of the angry and the bull rush to be a bit better and to be a bit more dominant against the run at the point of attack. We've talked about some of the, technical things he can work on the inconsistencies in his game in terms of balance and staying on his feet. And I want to see him probably play to that unique size and frame that he has a bit more than he did. So maybe there's a little something there to, to work on from college. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, you know, we, we've talked about him right out of shoot with you, right. You know, uh, I identify him. I, I'm very excited to see what, what, what the ceiling is for him. Yeah, I am as well. And so that uh, did it sound like he was not really considering Armin Watts in that nose tackle camp. He kind of talked about, he said he's played the there guy. before, right? You know? Yeah. He had uh, said that he said a little bit inside. He played a lot more inside, but he, he right. seemed to focus more on Adams and Benton and Fahoka when it came to nose tackles. I think Watts is a guy that certainly has the size and length like Benton to move up and down the line. Uh, I tell you, when I watched the tape on Watts, what impressed me the most, and I think I said it at the time, is that the athleticism that he showed. So I, I think he can. Uh, I think they view him as a guy that can be very versatile in there. Uh, in other words, a backup that uh, I think they view Watts as an upgrade in depth. I don't think there is so much, uh, obviously, attraction to him being like the week one knows. You know, he can do it. You know, uh, uh, but I, I think the 
I was impressed of, uh, you know, with, with just, like I said, just the overall athleticism with him and the fact that he, it looks like he can move up and down the line. Yeah. He, he's not going to start, but the question right. is, will he be an end? Because you, got, you can't have everybody nose tackles. It can't be the right. serial oops, all nose tackles. There's got to be some ends on this team. There's no really end depth behind Ogunjobi and Hayward in terms of guys that can play four eye. It's Laudamoku, I think is, you know, Dunbar talked him up, but I think it's very much on the bubble. It's going to be a critical year for him. So some of these guys like Benton, like Watts are going to have to slide around some. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, so, and I, I kind of think that's where he was kind of going with it was uh, noting that he can play my, my takeaway and just a small blurb in it was more, well, he can play inside too, which lends me to believe that maybe he'll be further, a little bit further. The intention is him to, to be more of a backup further away from the center. Right. And so, again, the things will be looking for the boxes we want to check those first couple of days in training camp where a guy's lining up. And it's just to wait for all those guys to get reps. you got four guys playing nose tackle. You can't rotate and give those guys snaps. So you're going to flex some of these guys out. And Watts is a logical name to start moving around some. I think the guys that should be worried right now at this stage of the offseason when it comes to the defensive line are, are, are Montrevious Adams and, and Isaiah Loudermilk. Yep, I'm with you 100%. One other uh, player, non-defensive line here in the secondary that got talked up yesterday was Elijah Riley from DB's coach Grady Brown, who credited Riley for you know limited tape last year, played in just four games, played, I think, only 20 defensive snaps. But that Raiders game still sticks out in Grady Brown's mind. He mentioned that with Elijah Riley, talked about him as being part of that slot conversation with him. Chandon Sullivan and Duke Dawson. That's kind of the, the baseline three guys who will get looks there. Didn't mention other guys could play inside as well, like a Patrick Peterson, but Elijah Riley, a name to know. Yeah, I think they're trying to fight, figure out who's of those three who could be the backup. <laughs> well, who's the starter then? I, I think you're going to say, and, and, and didn't, uh, was it Grady that, that's, that pretty much said, you know, Mike T's been talking about this all off season about Peterson and wanting to move him. Uh, I, I think they're going to be uh, try to be as, as versatile as they can. And, and, and they, they, uh, Austin, was it Austin or Brown? I think it was Austin that said, it says, look, you want to give, you want to give opposing quarterbacks as many things to think about, uh, 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 pre-snap so that things that maybe happen post, you know, uh, post snap, may, maybe really get in their head and, and, and along those lines. Uh, this might be very. I mean, once again, you might get, uh, you might spend some a- extra thirty minutes a game trying to chart the stuff because of how how much maybe they they want to try to move things around. Oh boy! But but I, the farther we've gotten along into this thing, the more I think we might see Patrick inside more than we think. If How that much, makes sense. I, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Find, will he, will he be like on like the cam Sutton role where he plays outside? It kind of feels like that might be what they're thinking. Yeah, I can buy that again. I don't have a lot of great answers or feel. I don't think the team really knows what they plan to do. There's a, this, this has 2021 vibes all over where it's a bunch of guys. They're going to try inside and hopefully find the guy who can stick and, there are probably more options this year than they had in 2021 after they losing Mike Hilton, but I think they're really just going to throw a bunch of mud at the wall and see who sticks out. Right. Uh, but Riley, I think, is a guy that, you know, because he's not like a true slot corner. He's that safety slot hybrid type of guy, and there's some there's some size and physicality. Could he 
it, it may be him and Trey Norwood pushing for one spot to, to make this roster. That's, it's, it's quite possible. It's quite look. I mean, what what's your? We've talked about the slot position all off season, right? I mean, what is your confidence level of one of those three? You know, Duke Dawson, Elijah Riley, or or or, or, or Chandon Sullivan uh, playing <laughs> most of the slot snaps in 2023. Not terribly high, and my confidence in them playing well is even lower. Like I think Bye. your top three corners are Peterson, Porter, and Wallace, and and that's how you got to find ways to get those three on the field. My kind of takeaway by the by them naming those three off yesterday uh, was long lines. We want to see what which one of those three maybe can emerge uh, as a potential backup in there. That's a fair point, and I mean Sullivan has the most experience there, so he would make the most sense to be that backup. Riley has not played as much football, not as much in the slot. Duke Dawson has not played a regular season snap since 2020, but yeah, you give those guys opportunities, you go into camp and you let them battle it out. And once again, we you know the way this team adds after mandatory minicamp, uh, we we might be talking about somebody else, you know, uh, by 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 the time training camp starts. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or we might, you know, uh, two, uh, eight practices into training camp might be saying, well, you know, uh, may- maybe Channon Sullivan can be the guy. You know, these things obviously change. And we've had conversations in before that we think that it will go go this way. And you get to the start start of the season. You think, well, yeah, that 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 didn't go that way. Particularly. It's a real to me. It seems like with all these new faces and they, they kind of talked about how many new faces are on that defense yesterday there. Uh, this is a very important figuring out process part of the offseason here. Yeah. And to Brown's point about, you know, that the basically talking about the post snap rotation, presenting those different pictures on the snap of the football. That's what Cam Sutton was so valuable at and so good at last year because he could play everywhere and they could rotate him to the deep half and some of those inverted coverages. He could play, you know, middle hole in cover two. I mean, the guy did everything. And do you have that guy in terms of one singular name this year? I don't think you do. I don't think it's even a debate. Can you try to take a couple pieces and a couple players and turn two players or three players into one cam Sutton in terms of the usage that's going to be their mission, but obviously it's a lot, it's a lot messier to try to do that. Well, look, from from the moment they signed Patrick Peterson to now, I have moved more and more more to the side of thinking. Well, you know, there probably is more 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 to this of of, of Peterson playing inside. Probably, but it, it doesn't even answer the question of can he do it? Will he be right. any good at it? Because the the tape there is pretty limited. Right. So I mean, it's going to be one of those things where <laughs> we'll see. You know. Right. And then that, that's the, the cause for concern there. So anything else from coaches? Mike Tomlin spoke, didn't say a whole lot, did mention a couple guys who were not at the mandatory mini uh, mandatory mini camp for excused absences and TJ Watt, Ryan McCollum and Presley Harvin. I assume all those things are relatively minor. Those guys probably be back sooner than later. I don't know if Tomlin really said a whole lot else. I think he did mention about, you know, that length can be an asset for Porter for Trice, but those guys will have to play clean as well. Length is only an asset if you can avoid the penalty flag. Right, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I thought it was fun to hear him talk about length and the benefits of length and 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 and, and that kind of stuff, you know. But uh, once again, as, as Tomlin said, uh, length doesn't matter if you're getting, getting the holding uh, calls against you or pass interference calls. 
Right. So anything else from what uh, Alex Highsmith, uh, Highsmith didn't fully commit to, I guess, practicing. I don't know if that was more of a training camp question in terms of the contract. Did note that he ex- or he doesn't expect, but he hopes the deal is done before camp, which of course everybody would hope for. Um, it could happen. We're basically on Alex Highsmith watch because this, this is a time of year where Pittsburgh, I guess, once they break mandatory minicamp, could get a deal done at any possible moment with Highsmith. I think Alex Highsmith is handling all this absolutely perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Everything out of his mouth, everything he's uh, he's showing up for everything. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not really concerned how full is full right now, these three days, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about it either. I guess if it lingers in the training camp, the question will be, will he do the hold in that TJ Watt did, that Deontay Johnson was doing last year or not? And I wouldn't um, blame him if he did. No, I wouldn't know? either. I, I mean, just saying. Fans won't like it. Fans will call him selfish. All, all they care about is, well, you, you know. You got it. You got to cash in when you cash in. If you get yourself hurt, you know, it's look, it's the deal's going to happen. <laughs> right. You know, the qu- yeah. The question is when uh, the question is when. So uh, I really think, you know, because we're coming up. Uh, let's see. Today's the 14th. Uh, tomorrow's the 15th. A year ago, I think on the 15th is when Minka uh, uh, signed his extension. I, I won't be shocked if we, within the next two weeks, that we're thinking, oh, there's the deal, you know, or, or seeing there's the deal. I think it's going to, I think Omar doesn't want this to become, and there's, there's really no, what would be, you know, other than the negotiation, the actual negotiation process of really, the guaranteed money, I think, at this point, and, and maybe to some degree, the average yearly value. Uh, what's left to really talk about to get this thing done? To me, all the all the the outside uh, border of the puzzle has all been put together on this thing. You know, now you just got to find out, you know, uh, where the little details, you know, to put this get these little pieces put together. So the rest of the whole puzzle comes together. If you will, I, I don't, I don't see a reason why this thing should linger on into training camp, at least from my outside, look at it and understanding the cash versus the cap and all like that. So I, I'm fully expecting within a couple of ne- next couple of weeks, this thing to get done, especially with Omar Khan and what happened you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, last season, I think the Deontay Johnson thing might have been a little bit more trickier there, you know? Yeah, I, I, I get that. I get what you're saying. I think this deal is trickier than Minka because Minka, we knew he was top of the market. And so that sure. really set a floor in this one. As you said, there are going to be some particulars that are easier to hammer out. But in terms of the guaranteed portion, in terms of the average yearly value where he wants to be slotted and if you're his agent, you're not in a big rush to do this on June 15th or July 25th. It's all kind of the same. It's all pre-training camps. You could drag this thing out for a while and there's no, you know, real big decision that has to be made today. So I I think it will get done. I think it probably will be sooner than later. I don't think it'll be the 11th hour deal that happened with Watt and kind of was more typical under Kevin Colbert. I'm not sure if I'm as confident as you that it will get done before training camp though just because I think there is some trickier elements to this deal. Look, the, the threat that, that, that franchise tag sword is mighty powerful. And that, 
that I think will play a part into this as well, too, because no matter how much Alex Highsmith thinks, you know, uh, and his agent thinks that he might be worth uh, as a top end value that that's capped by potential back-to-back tags and getting paid money now versus having to prove it one more season under under what he's earning right now, which is under $3 million a season. Uh, Omar's, uh, the, the Steelers have been very good about being able to wield that franchise tag sword properly. Uh, and I think, you know, agents over time after knowing how the Steelers work, kind of realize that as well too i i think the i think that threat of the franchise tag will play heavily in into this and that's yet another reason why i think it'll get done sooner rather rather than you know two weeks in look i i might, I might be wrong on this it, this this might go two weeks into training camp i don't think it will i think i think everybody though agrees it's going to get done yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I the, 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 because of the things like the the threat of the franchise tag, but an agent's heard that in every single negotiation he's had with a player that that's you know trying to get an extension done. The threat of the franchise. Yeah, but tag. but some some aren't in a a lot of them aren't in a position to be up against that. So you're you're already whittling down to a group of players that could you know. A lot of players sign extensions during an offseason, right? But how yeah, well, I'm many- talking about like the big money, like the, that caliber of players like Highsmith. That, that's always the, the 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 stick that teams use, and that's not going to make Highsmith's agent want to get a deal done tomorrow. You know, if, just to play devil's advocate, why not go into the first week of training camp, which is basically glorified OTAs when they're not when they're not in pads for the first four days, and just have him do the holding because there's some pressure on the team too. You get some negative pushback on the player, but some of that on the team is pay this guy he wants to be paid he's showed up for everything he's he worked throughout mini camp and otas um they want to have this guy here long term you, you might want to you know make this team sweat just a little bit you know what i look at it the other way because i i i i view it as uh if if alex highsmith gets into in into training camp and does some sort of hold in if you will fans that the loudest cries will be from the fans saying, Oh, he shouldn't do that. And that to me puts more peer pressure on the player. It probably does. I think there's, there's blame that gets put on both sides. And I don't think either side, especially in Pittsburgh is that susceptible to hearing that noise, but just to make it a story, just to make it, make, make it clear. I don't know. I mean, I could just see that being the angle that the, that Highsmith's camp wants to take. All right. I mean, I, 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 I will, I will reemphasize this. I think uh, Alex has gone about this absolutely perfectly. Sure. Uh, I think the parameters are all there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is any kind of a super unique situation here. I think his market value is pretty easy uh, to, to, to figure out. Uh, I think, Obviously, tradition with the first year, you know, he's not top of the market guy, so he's not going to get guarantees past the first year, I wouldn't think. Uh, so I, I just think everything's there that that points towards this getting done sooner rather than later. We'll see. Yeah, again, I, I think it will get done. I'll make my prediction that will likely be wrong. I think it gets done early in training camp. When do you think, if you had the, the Babe Ruth call your shot in terms of when pen and paper meet, when do you think that occurs with Highsmith? Uh, before July first. Well, oh, before July first. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I will make a note of it. 
All right, Dave, what else do we have here? I think we kind of covered the most of the positional coaches. Aaron Curry spoke, didn't say a whole lot. Um, he did, I don't really hear. I don't know if there was a lot that, that was really posted about what he had to say. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't have too many takeaways from that. Really, Denzel Martin. You know, other than saying, you know, having a relationship with 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 Golden, and uh, you know, he talked a little bit about Herbig, and you know, just basically saying, do what you do, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that, and once again, you know, if, the way we're trending right now, Herbig's probably not going to play much, if any, snaps on the defensive side of football in two thousand twenty three. Yeah, it looks like core special team work for him, but I'm good with that. Uh, anything else from OTAs that I might be missing? Again, there was so much on day one. Najee Harris, by the way, talking up Calvin Austin, said he's going to be involved and featured in this offense, even mentioned him being used in the backfield. I'm not there. I have not seen anyone talk about that. I may have missed it, but I assume that means that Harry, that Austin's probably been used in that way during OTAs and minicamp for Harris to make that comment yesterday. What did I what did I say the other day when we talk about having a discussion about move him around? You know? Yeah. Uh now look, do do we do I expect to see him in the backfield five, six, seven times a game? No. no. But uh that's that that's something that it's another element, and especially if you give the ball to him, what you know, line him back there, line him up there, line him uh up back there, you know two times a game uh, and once every four times you do it, handling a football, you know, it, it gives them, it gives defenses something else to think about theirs. And I think the, the greatest threat when it comes to Austin is the ability to move him around. And hopefully by moving him around, when he does touch the football, it produces some explosive plays. And if you can get that opposing defense, just a little bit worried about, what he's doing when he's on the field, it could open up a lot of things to, to a lot of these other players. And that yeah. includes Najee Harris. Sure. I'm with you. And I, I, this, this would be a good research uh, project for the off season and it should be pretty quick to do. I'm just looking at his stats here. I don't know the actual outcomes in the, in the plays, but in, in college at Memphis, Austin had eight career carries. He had three touchdowns on those eight carries, one an 83-yard touchdown, one a 69-yard touchdown in 2021. I don't know if those were – they could have been screens that were technically you know thrown behind if they became runs. I don't, I don't know, but there's an element to the run game in terms of maybe occasionally, obviously jet sweeps, but maybe some you know zone read or you flare them out and you throw a screen, something like that. I really want to see how they use this guy. And look, he, he is a guy that, that- – you can get him his touches in a lot of different ways. And that includes push, hopefully pushing the football down the field deep, right? Taking, you know, uh, uh, as I mentioned, when I ran down the stats the other day, he, he, he caught his a nice share of footballs down, down the field. Now it was, yes, I know it was at Memphis and it was in college and, and yada, yada, but this is the same guy that, that, that gave sauce Gardner a few fits, right? Yeah, so I said he was the hardest guy to cover in, in college, right? So right. big so, praise there. Look, I, I you know, I'm not I'm not going I'm not getting up on no soapbox and, and saying uh this is a guy that's gonna re- you know revolutionize things. I I have made it abundantly clear that I get scared to death with these smaller players, but you do have some smaller players uh that, that are that that are able to succeed, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we'll keep watching for that, but certainly a lot of positive buzz from Austin this uh, this spring. And it, it, is, it is just, you know, padless practices. You expect small, fast, shifty guys to look good, but he's healthy, he's working, sounds like he's making plays, all positive signs. Just stay healthy, kid. Yep, just stay healthy. All right, Dave, anything else from OTAs? I think that was all that I had really had to, uh, okay. to mention. All right. Uh, you, uh, you have spent some time with Kenny Pickett, have you not? Yeah, I feel like I know Kenny Pickett as well as as anybody. Just uh, a project I've been talking about for a while and wanting to do. And finally, over the last week and a half, I've kind of pieced together a full, complete 71-minute breakdown on Kenny Pickett, looking at his accuracy, decision-making, mobility, you know, the good, the bad, the progression, every aspect of him um, uh, is up on Steel's Depot. So, you know, I give my thoughts there. It's hard to summarize a 71 minute video. I'll just say it was progression. I'm encouraged by it. There were certainly things for him to work on, I think, in terms of some of the decision making and some of the accuracy. But I think the biggest area where he improved from, you know, before the bye until after the bye week was keeping his eyes downfield, scanning, running and scrambling to throw, not just to take off and run. And that created some really big plays for him the back half of the year. So I certainly saw that progression, but of course, as you would expect, there are things to work on. What way, and without giving away the whole package here, uh, what would, what, what is one of the biggest concerns that you have about him going into year two? Based I on think, what you saw? Yeah. From, from the biggest negatives, I thought some of the decision-making on some of the, you know, slant flat concepts, I thought he kind of consistently struggled to make the right reads there. I think he was probably worse against zone coverage than he was, man. I don't know what the advanced stats say, but my eye test kind of told me that. Um, and I think just him fighting the urge to want to leave the pocket. I think he got better throughout the season that's noted in the video, but I think there were still times where he wants to drift and run. He's kind of, got to fight that and of course there are times where you have to take off and he's mobile and that can be an asset to him so there's a a fine line to walk but i think overall just kind of being able to see the field a bit cleaner especially versus zone some of those late safety rotations um those are things he has to work on uh look i i know you haven't and and probably won't watch every snap that uh uh brock purdy brock purdy played with the 49ers last season but what would you say from what you do know about Brock Purdy that has people buzzing more about him this off season than Kenny Pickett? And yeah. I'm, talk- I'm, I'm not just talking Steeler. I'm talking kind of globally, you know, I don't have a good answer to that, to be honest. I think the scheme and not to take away anything from Purdy, Purdy I think what he did last year coming off the bench as a seventh round pick of, of what was he Mr. Irrelevant? He was Mr. Relevant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to go from that to where he ended up is, is remarkable. But I think playing in a system under Kyle Shanahan is going to make a quarterback look a lot better. And of course, the 49ers were a better team. They made it to the NFC title game. It became a big story. You're going to get more buzz with those kinds of things. So I, I really have not watched Purdy enough in particular to really make a, a comment about him versus Kenny Pickett. All right. Well, job well done. I know you put a lot of time. This just didn't happen in a 24 hour. No, no. <laughs> uh, I, I know the detail that you go through. I know uh, you have to have to sit there and, and go through, especially at the quarterback position, go through every snap, you know, uh, yeah. take some time. So that, 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 you know, if you haven't checked it out yet, 
you can uh, either view it on Alex's uh, YouTube channel or, or, or see it on SteedersDepot.com. The last note on Pickett and one of those little things that I mentioned at the end of the video, I think he has to work on play fakes better. I don't think he sold play action or some of the, the handoffs well enough. I think he needs to be able to, and I kind of compare it to Peyton Manning, who was such a master at selling that stuff. And I know that, you know, expecting Pickett to be Peyton Manning in year one, year two is not realistic, but just things to work towards, things to strive or what is the gold standard at the position? I think he didn't really sell play fakes well. I don't think it really influenced linebackers to suck up. Just some of those small detail things. I really want to see him make that jump in year two now that he's kind of got his legs under him. Hey, look, and if uh, if this running game comes out of shoot, and they're, yeah. they're, they're able to play bully ball like, like they're hoping that they'll be able to play, especially early on in the season, that should set up a lot of that stuff, right? Yeah, they didn't run a, a ton of play action last year. They were better than where they had been, and they were under center a lot more, but their play action rate was not tremendously high, probably in part the first half of the year. They were playing from behind. You really can't run play action there. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the tenets of the Matt Canada offense are bootlegs, play action. It's, I mean, the Shanahan system was born kind of out of Matt Canada. He kind of helped, I think, uh, teach Kyle Shanahan some of this this stuff. And so Shanahan obviously has improved upon it and really refined it, but the core tenets of what, Pittsburgh wants to do are kind of rooted in that Purdy Shanahan system. So that, and that involves a ton of play action. All right. I like All right, it, Dave. I look forward to, uh, I, I look forward to seeing them run the football well and, and use play action and motion and, you know, move, you know, uh, uh, matriculate the football down the field better. There you go. All right, Dave, I think we got some OTA stuff coming up here soon. So let's get through some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, let's see what we have in the hopper here. Steve Novakovich. Hello, guys. I'm still loving the show after all these years, and I'm super excited about the upcoming season. This offseason, I think I see a big increase in the energy and activity of the Steelers front office to explore all options and try and upgrade every position group on the team. He says no shade on Kevin Colbert, but he didn't seem this active by a wide margin. Here's my question. Is this year really different, or are we just hearing about the activity more than we did in past years because of changes in team communication or changes in the amount of activity of the depot crew. Now, look, we have, uh, <laughs> we've had several conversations on the side ourselves saying, Lord have mercy. This has been a, uh, a, 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 a busy off season for this team. Uh, I think this is a, uh, now look, the draft, I, I think you got to separate the draft and everything else that has happened because I think at its core, I don't think, you know, especially us, uh, us on the site are, were overly surprised at, at, at the entire draft process or the outcome of the draft. Uh, but outside of that, uh, I mean, I, I think they have been very active at, at this look. I mean, they, they really made a concerted effort on, on, on the, in, you know, free agents on the, uh, uh, offensive line. Uh, they, uh, you know, we, we've seen the whole wholesale changes at the, the linebacker position. Just look at, uh, now look, I don't think they went into the offseason thinking, man, we can't wait to get the May to cut Arthur Millett. I think he brought that up uh, on himself, but that, you know, that's a change, uh, in and of itself. Uh, I mean, did anybody really see Patrick Peterson may, maybe being a stealer once the, once the 2022 season ended, you know, uh, I just, I think there's been a lot more activity. It's kept us busy than normal. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think there's a, 
I wouldn't say a grain. There's a, a good nugget of truth to the fact that it has been busier. I, I think we still forget about how it, it was pretty busy last year, too, under Kevin Colbert. That was a, a, an active free agent cycle. And I think, you know, Ben coming off the books gives you some more financial flexibility to be more aggressive and add to the roster. And I just think overall, while Colin, of course, is an internal promotion hire, you know, anytime you have a new GM, you're going to have that roster turnover as he kind of builds the roster in his view. And this right. is his first full off season. He only, you know, he was only been on the job for just over a year officially now. So, um, you know, you're going to get that roster churn. And when you're a nine and eight team that at one point during the season was looking like among the worst teams in football, there's probably going to be a lot of roster churn needed. So you know, we're, we're in a bit of that honeymoon phase with Con right now. And he's had a good off season. I don't want to take that away from him, but I think uh, I think we kind of just focus on those things a bit more and we kind of lose sight of, you know, what even what happened last year. And look, don't forget this roster needed churning. <laughs> yeah, the, the bottom half absolutely did. It didn't need a full teardown, but they needed to to definitely redo the redo the floors or something. All right. Uh, Chris Lookhart writes in. Hello, fellas. I was actually just curious what the conversation with Mark Gorsak uh, was. Did you approach him or him to you? I guess not everyone in the Steelers organization hates you. Ha ha. Does this mean you will have more access to players or anything like that? Uh, I, I don't want to go deep into details on 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 Mark uh, other than to say we, we are super excited uh, to have him. Uh uh, uh, do what he's going to do uh, with the site and all like that. Uh, this, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Hey, can you come on the show? Hey, you know, I might be interested in this. Uh, let's explore it. Uh, let, let's, you know, let's see how this thing comes together. Uh, I think, you know, there's obviously admiration on our end for him after following him around the country for all these years. And, and obviously when it comes to scouts, he's, more more than recognizable when it comes to that and i think he you know this plays into what uh is in his his what he wants to do with his life moving forward uh you know don't don't get me wrong he did not leave the steelers organization to to to, to come to work for steelers mm -hmm. depot it's just a byproduct of that uh you know and once again i don't want to get get any more deeper now alex has really had more more conversation uh uh with him than 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 i have it's just more of the, the kind of the perfect storm situation here i think yeah, like you said, he didn't he didn't leave the Steelers to to work for us. I think he's going to have his hands in a couple of different pots, all related to football. Uh, but yeah, we're excited to collaborate with Mark, and I, I, I'm always hesitant to to jinx these things, but uh, should be on Friday for a little segment to kind of give his thoughts about the, where the Steelers sit today. So again, Mark will kind of have a an on again, off again role as as a guest writer, which the first article was extremely well received and. He'll uh, make some appearances on, on the podcast as well. I don't think we'll have any more access or, or anything no. like that. What this does give us, though, is it gives us a, a better look of what's over on the other side of the fence and process. Uh, you know, we love process. And 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 Mark Gorsak's got a lot of process he can talk about. Yeah, especially during draft time. And again, I don't want to give away too much. And these things, you know, have been early conversations, but he may help us out in some way, form or fashion during draft time, which again, we are extremely excited about. Uh, let's see here from Richard Jameson. I appreciate your discussion of Calvin Austin III. You offer the best Steelers analysis. Would the presence of Austin cause opposing safeties to play off the line of scrimmage, which might help the running game? Also, would it, would it, 
would it put opposing safeties in a bind if the Steelers put Austin and Darnell Washington on the same side of the line of scrimmage? I mean, th- those are obviously great questions. I think more than anything, uh, the presence of Austin has got to earn respect. And if, if, if Austin's able to make plays and, and then move him around, uh, you, you just can't put any guy out there and expect it to, uh, uh, be able to right off the top dictate, you know, whether certain teams going too high or one high or, 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 or zone or, or man or anything, you got to earn that respect. So, you know, Austin's presence alone is not going to create anything unless his present presence results in playmaking. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing is, as you said, Dave, these guys have to prove themselves first. Defenses aren't going to be scared of guys that are looking good from a draft profile or an OTAs. They got to make some plays on Sundays before defenses really pay a lot of attention to them. Of course, they're going to be game plan for, and they're going to be scouting reports on, but these guys have to to earn their keep before defenses really react to them too much. So is there potential for that? Yeah, maybe in some ways, it's hard to really say for sure how much of an impact it would be on on the run game, and if those guys are on the same side, but you know, let, let let those guys make some plays first before defenses really start, you know, focusing around them. Right, I I, I agree, and and once again, there you know, there should be tempered excitement when it comes to to Calvin Austin the third. Yeah, and Washington. I mean, there's some right, exciting young pieces on this team, but it, it's still a relatively young group, and they have to prove it. And you know, we'll take it step by step. All right, we'll be there charting it and watching it and writing mm-hmm. about it and talking about it uh, moving forward here. Uh, okay, I think we got through everything here, Alex. I think it's time to get on out of here and start seeing what what we'll be talking about on Friday from once all these offensive coaches come, come uh, run the gauntlet and all. So it should be uh, a jam-packed show on Friday as well, too. Anything else to add before we get out of here? No, I see Matt Canada speaking right now, so I'm sure Sealer fans will love whatever he has to say. But yeah, we'll cover it all and come back on Friday. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, upper right navigational bar. Also, if you want an ad free version of the site, uh, go to SteedersDepot.com. Uh, hit the ad free button, upper right navigational bar. Thank you so much for listening. It's important especially this time of, 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 of off season. Thanks for going to the site. You know, none of this can happen without, you know, having in, 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 in consumers and all this. So can't, can't thank everyone. We had a nice turnout the other night on the uh, live stream as well too. So we appreciate that. So until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.